1995, I was taking film classes at UCLA, rubbing elbows with teachers and lecturers with actual Hollywood careers. Though I never met him, one teacher had a very successful screenwriting career, writing movies like The Mask, with Jim Carrey in it, and Dark Man 3, Die, Dark Man, Die, without Liam Neeson in it. So when I scored a copy of his latest spec script, it was like I'd found the Ark of the Covenant. He'd sold it for a ton of money, and it was being made into a major motion picture. The script was a little gonzo, about a hero cop and a psycho villain switching their faces and tearing after each other in insane action set pieces. I read it several times, studying it like it was the Bible, trying to glean whatever secrets I could from it so I too could one day write a huge money-making spec script. And then... I completely forgot about it. Two years later, a friend invited me to a blind screening, and I had no idea what movie we were seeing. So imagine my surprise when it turned out to be that movie, helmed by one of my favorite directors. I wondered how John Woo would take that goofy script and make it into a decent action picture. And the answer is, he put Nicolas Cage in it and made it even more cuckoo bonkers than the script. Ladies and gentlemen, strap in for tonight's mayhem, Face Off. Welcome to the Hold Up. Each month we pick a movie one of us remembers fondly but hasn't seen in years, we watch it and we decide, does it hold up? I'm John Longino. And I'm John Nelson. And greetings and welcome to November. Happy Ooh. Thanksgiving. Yeah. I, I guess you, you I have guess. Uh, you have a dish for us uh, this, this fine Thanksgiving evening. No. Or I, month. I just showed up at your door and expected you to cook everything while I watched the football game. Oh, uh, okay. You just, I'm that kind you, of a guest. You just landed on my lands and then raped and pillaged uh, everything I had and then took Wait, it this, from me. This is, this is America, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Well, then yeah, I'm you, in the right place. Yeah, you're doing it right. You're Excellent. <laughs> Fantastic. Welcome. Uh, hello, everyone. Hi. To another fine month of The Holdup. So this episode, uh, we are going to be doing... What is it, John? Oh, we're doing a John Woo movie. We've never done one of those. You want to know why we've never done one of those? Because most of them we know for fucking sure are awesome. That's true. That's very true. I doubt we're ever going to get to do hard-boiled on this yeah, show. <laughs> it's, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, but... We do have one that we can check, and there's a, let's be honest, there's other John Woo movies that we also don't need to check because they're not so great. You know, Mission Impossible 2, though, <laughs> though I hold a, it holds a, a, a place in my heart, uh, it's not very good. No, um, it's fucking terrible. <laughs> um, Hard Target, I hear, has a good version, but not the movie that was in the theaters. Um, sure. So that well, basically leaves... John Woo has a, a varied catalog of mini films, but we will only be watching one tonight, and which one is that? Face Off. The oh. best, the best American one. Great. I can't wait to watch this masterpiece. Oh, you're going to love it. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. Excellent. Before we get to tonight's movie, uh, I wanted to let you all know that if you'd like to send us an email with any questions or comments, you can reach us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. That's holduppodcast at gmail.com. And also, you can visit holduppodcast.com. There you will find links to our Twitter page, our Facebook page, and our email address, which I just gave you. And also, check us out on Instagram at holduppodcast and various other social media sites, should you so desire. You should go to the Instagram site. There's going to be a, a, I mean, usually there's just, you know, candids of us fucking off and being stupid, but there's an actual. <laughs> yeah, it fits right into Instagram. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Um, there's an actual piece of vintage history there, um, which I will get to in a minute. It's sort of part of my story, but uh, there's right. a actual and factual 
piece of face-off history on our Instagram site at yes. this moment. It's actually, at, right as we speak, it is staring me down on the table. Uh, I'm looking at it. John, what is this I'm looking at here? This is the original program from what I believe was the premiere of the movie Face-Off that was held, I think, if I'm remembering right, it was in Westwood. I had a friend back in the 90s. This dude called me up and said, hey, you want to go to uh, see this movie? And I was like, oh, yeah, sure. So we went and uh, saw this movie, and it was indeed... Um, a premiere. I, now, again, they might have been having a different premiere. I didn't see anyone famous. I didn't see like Travolta and sure, Nicolas sure. Cage at this one, but it may have been like a mini premiere of some kind. Um, because again, they have these programs that they used to hand out. And, and so I have one. <laughs> I know. It's like you went to Hamilton, apparently. It's, it's literally what this looks like. It's like a playbill, full on open. Full yeah. Credits. And the hilarious thing is, it's like the credits are on the movie <laughs> the same apocalypse now where they you know they handed you a thing because like apocalypse now didn't have credits on it it's like the movie has credits this is just sort of a hey how can we spend more money than sure. <laughs> we'd already spent and wasted on this well, fucking just movie. looking to make it fancy you know to dress up face off as some kind of very you know awesome thing but John, before we get to our various opinions of the face slash off, uh, we should kind of set up for anyone who maybe hadn't seen the movie or it's been a long time. What's the deal with face off? What's the deal with the face off? Yeah. Well, you've, you've seen it recently. I, you, you know no. the concept, right? I, I, so I know the concept. I've seen this film one time. Okay. The week it released. That's it. So I don't. What year did this come out? Like mid nineties or something? Ninety seven. I want to say ninety seven. Yeah. Yeah. So that. That's it. I've seen this movie once. Well, so maybe, I remember like the basic idea of it. Well, then you should tell oh, the audience okay. what it's about because <laughs> I remember what it's about. You you okay. might not and that'll what be more if, awesome. Okay. All right. Fair enough. That, that's <laughs> totally fair. Okay. So yes. So from my memory, which is, is fairly hazy, but it's, it's a <laughs> rather striking and memorable premise. So I think at least like the basics I'm going <laughs> to well, get. Well, it is in correctly. the title. So I yeah. mean, if you can't remember that, then God help you. So face off is the story of, uh, I believe an investigator. I want to say he's like FBI or CIA or whatever, but it stars it's John Travolta and Nicolas Cage directed by John Woo. And the kind of gist of the movie is that, they have captured very early on, like the first scene, Nicolas Cage is this villainous terrorist guy. Uh, Back when terrorist yeah, was, was just like, a guy who like <laughs> set off a bomb yeah, outside of a car. Exactly. And when they were more like the Joker or something than like the horror that we now know. And back when people would say terrorists about white people in movies. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Got political again. As was ushered in by Die Hard for, you know, a good 10 years or whatever. But um, so Nicolas Cage is this villain. They have captured him. And then for reasons I have no memory of, they decide that uh, John Travolta needs to go undercover. I don't know if it's to like recover nuclear weapons or like for whatever fucking reason he has to look like Nicolas Cage. So they <laughs> employ a technology that I previously had no knowledge of, which is they bring these two guys into surgery and literally rip their faces off each other and swap them. I guess because you can just trade human faces like masks in a masquerade or something and somehow <laughs> become that person. But that's the deal. It's like. It's so Nicolas Cage gets John Travolta's face. John Travolta gets Nicolas Cage's face, and now they're switched. And I want to say it's like right after the operation, or like very, very soon after things go horribly wrong. I don't know if it's Nick Cage has set up some kind of rescue that they weren't prepared for, or for what, what for whatever reason. Uh, those that know who's who 
parish or something. <laughs> As they always <laughs> yeah. must. There's only two people know the truth and yeah. they both got to die. Because it's a top secret thing. So so basically it becomes a case of mistaken identity. It's right. like they now have switched faces. I believe Nicolas Cage, now playing this role, who was previously the character played by John Travolta, is trying to convince people that he's not this horrible terrorist guy. And I believe he goes to prison. Uh, a weird underwater, like, Mario boot wearing prison, <laughs> like, I, you know, that, where he's like magnetized to the ground. I don't know. That That's like a weird memory that I'm like, that's kind of strange. And then uh, John Travolta, who was Nicolas Cage, now is John Travolta, comes home to the family right. that was Nicolas, or excuse me, was was Nicolas Cage's family now is John Travolta's family oh no wait oh my Vice god person. Now, see, I'm so fucking confused <laughs> sorry sorry no 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 yes the, the terror the terrorist comes home wearing John Travolta's well face. I'm gonna cheat a little bit just so we can like <laughs> stop confusing the audience the bad guy's name is Caster Troy I forgot the name of the good guy, but it's Sean Archer. So okay, from now on, when we it. refer to Archer Caster and Troy. Troy, yeah, Archer and Troy. When we refer to Caster Troy, we're talking about the bad guy, and when we refer to Sean Archer, we're talking about the good guy. Got it. So Caster Troy comes home to the family of Sean Archer, right. pretending to be Sean Archer. Yes. And I remember that like John Travolta is being a weirdo and it's that there's this tension of like oh my god a psychopath is living with his family and they have no idea and i remember a shitload of weird sexual tension between the daughter and him and him like giving her cigarettes and also like right i remember just really creepy shit of like what the <laughs> but anyway that so that's sort of like what happens and then i I don't know a few acts go by and then all is resolved with gunfire <laughs> as is the the traditional of John Woo movies and I don't really remember how it ends a bunch of doves fly out and they just like shoot at each other a lot I think that's how it goes perfect but that's my memory of face off that's pretty close I so mean, I, any, anything I miss that people need to know? Um, I not really. Okay. I mean, you you've pretty much uh, some summed up correctly. Uh, I, it's been a while since I've oh, seen it too. Uh, I forgot to mention that it was terrible. Oh well, there's I mean, that. I forgot to mention that that it was like really bad. There's a phrase that you like to employ, Longino, that I feel applies to this movie, and that phrase is the right kind of stupid. Yes. Okay. Um, so that's what I. I mean, th my memory of it is it's the right kind of stupid. I don't know. Maybe I've grown. I, when have I used then? that phrase? The last two episodes the right kind of stupid the i don't right remember kind ever saying that you don't remember saying the right kind of stupid in, in, in reference to earnest scared stupid i remember saying like good bad i'll say that a lot well i it it stuck with me john when you said okay, it. i was like okay. that's an interesting turn it, you of know phrase. what sometimes pearls just come out of me i don't even remember saying it. what oh, can i say for fuck's sake <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I'm hoping it's actually the right kind of stupid. The thing I liked about this movie, and I mean, I actually liked it about the script, but the script and the movie are, are two vastly different things. The script was sort of a near future script, and, and the script was more sci-fi than the movie turned out, because the that, movie is that much would more... make more sense. Well, the movie is more like... It, it feels like modern day, except for a few, like like you say, magnetized boots. Yeah, in a, in like a, it like basically is modern day. It's basically modern day with like, with you know. With like weird techno stuff. With some, it, with some advanced technology. But I liked the idea that, well, we can't body swap because that's just ridiculous. We're not going to be able to like take your brain out of your body and put it in someone <laughs> else's body and have it work correctly. So what can we do? Well, we can cut your face off. That probably works. And, you know. We laugh about it, but that is a, entirely a premise in Game of Thrones, and everybody's like, yep, 
works perfectly sure i mean not only that it's clearly a premise that is completely revolving around the pun of the thing right face off is a is a phrase we say of two people facing off against each other and it's like some junior high kid was like wait a minute (laughs) what if they faced off but they cut their faces off and and that's when you kick your friend in the nuts and like call it a day well that's yeah or give them a movie to make i was gonna say when you're a teenager you kick them in the nuts (laughs) when you're you know 35 you get a million (laughs) dollars apparently uh yeah and so i i I had read the script and it had like these elements of sci-fi it was kind of like blade runner almost (laughs) okay Uh, i mean again well in that it's like it's slight futuristic everybody has sort of like you know they had like laser guns in the script if so wait are serves. they gonna make face off 2049 is that I coming sure <laughs> hope so and i hope that i'm ready deacons is a cinematographer <laughs> and it looks awesome um yeah it was just i just like the idea that it was like near future semi-sci-fi okay. but you know a cop movie in that sort of uh, so, genre I, john this is my primary question you have selected face off for the holdup right proclaiming it to be a memory of a film you loved well, why? Why? Um, when it, you and I have different definitions of of what should be brought on this podcast, you take movies that you were like when you were eight years old. You're like, this is the best fucking movie I've ever seen in life. Sure. I, I in this instance, I'm picking a movie that I really enjoyed at the time. Loved is a bit strong. Okay. Okay. Really, um, really liked. It. It is my favorite so far of John Woo's American movies that I know. Well, of. and that's not hard to do. But sure. well, here's the thing. I mean, in all honesty, Hard Target was kind of bad but at least it was like well you see where he's coming from this dude was brought over to america they gave him a budget they gave him no freedom to do whatever you know what he's good at which is like hey can you uh endanger all of your stuntmen and have these weird fucking you know ballet uh you know uh, violence uh, scenes you know these these orgies of you know operatic violence can you have that no you can't because we're america and we don't get it so you have to have like jean-claude van damme shooting at people that's what you get so hard target i feel like eh, that's not his fault broken arrow is pretty good i remember that being okay it's not great if memory serves but i mean it was like well it's a step up from hard target it it makes mostly it makes sense well you know actually it brings up my big question for you is like how familiar were you with john woo films when you saw this movie uh i was a huge fan of john woo by the time this movie came out i had and we're talking the Hong Kong action movies, right. like you'd seen yeah, yeah, like yeah. a lot of his original stuff. Yeah, I, I, I am not a completist of John Woo. There's sure. a lot of holes, unfortunately, in my uh, John Woo filmography. But I had seen Hard Boiled and The Killer, and I believe A Better Tomorrow. Sure, like kind of one right after yeah. the other in college. And and for anyone listening who who maybe isn't aware, who only knows of John Woo as the director of Broken Arrow and Paycheck and Face Off <laughs> and Mission Impossible Two. Um, in case you missed it, this man directed uh, many uh, action movies in Hong Kong in the 80s and 90s that were like all amazing. Yeah. And like incredibly, ridiculously violent. Like just yeah. some of them, like they bought every squib in existence <laughs> and used them on every movie. I mean, and he claimed that he didn't like the use of gunplay in movies and you would, uh, it, it seems like he's just outright trolling <laughs> everybody when he says that. But yeah. he, he claims to be like this pacifist and he's like, I hate violence and I hate violence. And he makes the most violent movies or he made. You know, they are so violent. Yes. They're really stylishly violent. I mean, when I say ballet, I am not kidding around. It's, it, he would 
choreograph these amazing action set pieces and um the, it sort of culminated with the three films that i'm talking about with a better tomorrow uh hard-boiled and the killer and they, he made Death those one. like one right after the other with chow young fat and they're all amazing and if you haven't seen them then do yourself I, a I favor i think my per i mean i love them all but i think Hard boil might be my favorite of those. I agree. Like, Actually, it's pretty fantastic. It's like the raid of its time, basically. Right. Like it was just this insane movie. But that, like, so I mean, for context, I had as a person in high school working at a video store had like discovered those movies and were watching all of them and loved them. <laughs> right. So when Face Off released, <laughs> I went and I saw the trailer with them like guns out and doves out. Like I was right. like, oh, here we go. <laughs> And I was like, oh, great. Okay, he's doing like an American version of his kind of Hong Kong action cinema. And then I remember seeing it and just being like, what the fuck is this? And like not feeling it at all. Right. That was my memory is like I hated it. I was just like, this is not this is not hard boiled. This <laughs> right. is ridiculous. What I'm really interested in you, you bring this up is now many years later watching it, not from a fanboy point of view, but just as like, well, let me give this movie another go. I'm very interested to see if I find it like funny because it seems you're right like it <laughs> seems in the zone for like really stupid funny here's the thing I, I, I again I'm going on 20 year old memories but the thing I liked about it is at the time I saw it it wasn't quite hard-boiled or the killer you can't I feel like the, those were a time and place and that is never happening again but it was the closest he's ever gotten and Part of that is, I mean, it's going to sound weird, but like the killer and hard boiled and a better tomorrow take place in a sort of fantasy world. I mean, it's it they're they're realistic to a point, but then there is like they can do like magic with guns. Basically, it's like watching Excalibur, but with gunplay, you know, it, it really sure. is like pseudo magical. And there never there's no plot point that it's like, oh, we got the magic gun or whatever. But it's like they can do shit. They defy the they defy gravity and logic and you know they can do all this shit that human beings just can't do and when that comes over i think i i have this theory that like the reason uh foreign directors don't translate well to american audiences is because we as fanboys will watch a a foreign film and we will be reading the dialogue because it's usually subtitled if we're doing it right uh, and we'll be watching the movie and the the dialogue sort of passes us by because reading it is different than hearing it from a human who is Certainly. saying it as if they mean it whereas like they can say shit in these hong kong action films it's like it is you who has been my enemy for this you know it it, it <laughs> right. translates you you look at it and you're like well obviously that's not what they sure. meant because it's too formalized yes. it's not well, you know the finer points of a dramatic performance in reading dialogue are literally lost in translation on someone right. who doesn't understand the language so you're i mean you can you can tell when it's like really bad sure. or really good, but a more finessey kind of middle ground. It's it's kind of hard to tell. But I think if you're if you're watching a movie that's just like technically great, and the performances are great because Chow Young Fat's a great actor. So oh, you absolutely. Know, but he could be saying the dumbest shit ever, <laughs> and you would let it pass because you're like either a well, I'm reading it, so it doesn't make as much of an impact on me. B, again, it's probably translates slightly differently, so I'm not getting the exact thing, and I'm fine with that. But then when it comes to America, and they're saying the actual goofy shit, and you're like, oh, is this the kind of movie he's always been making, and I just let it gloss over me because it was a you know from a different land? I 
guess but i don't i would counter that with like i don't remember in hard-boiled the goofy scene where chow young fat <laughs> was magnetized to the ground of an underwater prison going no or like well creepy john travolta handing cigarettes to his daughter and like giving her the eyes and stuff well it's been years since i've seen hard-boiled and the killer but i guarantee you if we watched it again there would be a scene or two that we would go that's kind of no it was weird. The, it was chow young fat playing saxophone and it was fucking awesome <laughs> there's that's no not even what i mean that, that's goofy. Awesome. that is goofy as fuck <laughs> yeah but it's great but it's not what i mean you okay. know what i'm talking about yeah, though sure, it's like there sure. there is again that just it, it comes over and you are willing to let things slide that once you understand the language you don't let it slide the same way right so i feel like face off comes the closest because there is goofy shit in it and fucking Nicolas Cage he's barely off like these weird ass movies where he's like the like raising Arizona and all this shit where he was just fucking nuts and they're not telling him hey no be the calm ass Nicolas Cage that's gonna win an Oscar in a couple of years or maybe he'd won it by then I, actually leaving Las Vegas I think was leave, this was post okay Las so Vegas. they were like hey we want raising Arizona Nick Cage we don't want right you know quiet introspective nick cage who's drinking himself to death so he goes fucking ape shit as caster troy i know but it, you're actually reminding me one of the things i really disliked about the movie was because I, I remember <laughs> the first scene where nicholas cage is caster troy and playing the villain to be like incredible like i remember him just dressed going, as a priest yeah i remember him going completely insane and i was like super into it i was like oh my god this movie is incredible and then when they switch john travolta is like Hails in comparison yes. to like evil, crazy Nick Cage. Right. Well, it's, that's the trouble is that John Travolta imitating Nick Cage is far more, uh, we'll say, downplayed. Yeah. <laughs> and Nicolas Cage imitating John Travolta is still kind of intense, but really weird and off-putting. <laughs> like, I feel like the Joker, like, literally became Vincent Vega all of a sudden, just <laughs> hanging out like your roommate, <laughs> like, hanging out. Like, as evil as he got was like, hey, you, you look pretty, my daughter, and, like, that's it. Or I, I think he says something creepy to the mom, too. Right. Well, obviously, Travolta liked working with John Woo because he did it for two movies in a sure, row. Sure, But, I mean... <sighs> Dude, there's movies with John Travolta that are some of the best movies in cinema, but there are, are a lot of films where he just phones it in. And I can't tell if this is one of them. This might not be one that he's doing that in. He might actually be trying. I can't tell. But, I mean, there are times he's just like, eh, I don't care. Well, and you can see it. Let me tell you, his performance in Wild Hogs was uh, <laughs> something to behold. It was really holding the movie together. Yeah, yeah. You know what the worst part would be is if he's never phoning it in. If he's like, no, dude, I give it 100% every time. Every this time. Is my, this is my heart. <laughs> Acting is my heart. And every, I would rather that he's like, eh, I'm phoning it in, than to find out, oh, you were doing your best. That's yeah, unfortunate. Actually, it will be really interesting to watch a movie starring two men that, at the time this movie came out, were like pretty much at the height of the mountain. Like right. John Travolta was like right after he was like right on the wings of riding the wave of Pulp Fiction, yeah. where he was suddenly in like everything. And Nick Cage was like Oscar winner Nick Cage, you know, reprising his role as a psychopath. And then like <laughs> now today, like these two gentlemen are uh, like sweeping up the floor at the cinema. Like they, they are, they have fallen so far. Well, Nick Cage is still doing the same type of movie. Let's, uh, that's, I mean, that's true. Uh, he's never stopped making this movie. Basically. I think he was like, he must've just had the greatest time in the nineties. It's like he did con air. He did this, he did the rock and he just, he did all these actiony movies. He's like, I can go nuts. And then he just kept trying to re regain that feeling. And it's just never quite 
been the same. Yes. Also, he spent too much money and he needs to take every job he can get. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it, I, you know, whatever works. And then I guess Travolta's. You know, he seems to be just kind of, and it doesn't seem like an absolute, you know, down on his luck and doesn't have any money or anything, but like, he's definitely not in movies like he used to be. Well, and let's be fair, that man has endured a little bit of tragedy in his life recently as well. That's like, fair. he lost his son, and, you know, I don't, you know, I don't know what all's going on in his life. So, you know, maybe in fairness, it's like, hey, he's trying his best, and maybe sometimes he doesn't give a shit. And, you know, like anybody at their job, you know, sometimes well, you have I'd up say and down times. He's doing better than Nick Cage. I'll, I'll throw that out there. Is he? I don't I mean, Nick I haven't seen, like, what is he in lately? No, I just, even that is better. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, the, the reputation. Like, he seems oh. less tarnished to me. I feel like Nick Cage, though, could still, like, pull it out. I feel like. The chances of John Travolta winning an Oscar at this point are right. fairly minimal. Whereas, you're, like, you're looking for the Cage back, like I it's think coming. Cage, I honestly, because I, I think Nicolas Cage is actually a, a great actor, and I think he's proven it, you know, multiple times. He's worked, of with, course, you know, with all these, you know, I think it's the director he works with that like really seals well, that's, the deal. That's the big community question, right? Like, is is Nicolas Cage a great actor or not? Like I mean, that, there's a whole episode dedicated to that. Right. And then, like, it's like a conundrum they can't solve. I feel like it just, you know, a couple of movies alone almost, like, convinced me. It's like Raising Arizona sure. is pretty oh, great. Yeah, I mean, no, totally. I, I loved Leaving Las Vegas when it came out. I haven't seen it in a while. But I, you know, I was, you know, when he got the Oscar, I was like, yeah, sure. That's, that works for me. Mm -hmm. Whereas Travolta, I feel like he had a bunch of good movies, like, at a time. And, but since that time, it's like he keeps playing himself over and over again. Sure. And it's like, well... You know, um, John, before we get to watching Face Off tonight, um, is there anything specific you remember about the movie that you want to bring up? I mean, my memory is pretty hazy aside from what I've already mentioned. No, my memory is pretty hazy as well. I actually remember the, you know, the opening uh, Nick Cage going crazy. And, and I think the reason that I, I mean, not that there's ever a good reason to cut people's faces off and shit, but I think the reason <laughs> they have to do this, the MacGuffin for this is he's put a bomb somewhere yeah. in the city and right. only he and he's in a coma at the time like you know john travolta shoots him and so caster troy falls into a coma right. from injuries sustained in the opening gambit right. he is unconscious and so they have to figure oh, does out he, like come to during the face-off surgery maybe i feel like that no happens. i think what happens is he basically john travolta does the face-off surgery he has to go undercover. He goes to prison because, like, he got caught. Is That's why he's in prison. So they send right, that's him. That's the plan. Yeah, and then he's like, he's going to go back to his criminal underground, and he's going to find out where the bomb is planted because Caster Troy, quote-unquote, knows. But what John Travolta is going to have to do is, like, say, hey, so when we set off this bomb, <laughs> where are you going to be, huh? Fellow inmates, <laughs> so, would you mind telling me the plan? <laughs> Yeah, so they're sending him in because he ostensibly knows the plan. But I mean, I think I don't remember if they do this, but he's like, oh, you know, I got hit in the head because I got shot, so I kind of have amnesia. <laughs> tell me where the bomb is again. Or actually, I got to do it like Nikki. Can you tell me where the bomb is again? <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah, I can actually, I have no memory of this, but I'm hoping there's some like bluffing scenes where oh, he's yeah. just like full of shit. Well, there's got to be like the scene where like his buddies are asking him, hey, what about, what's his name? And Nick Cage has to go, you mean the guy who's been dead for three months? That kind of a bit? That's got to be <laughs> oh, in there somewhere. Oh, shit. There's no way you're not him. <laughs> oh, fuck. No, but what happens is then, like, when, by the time that Nicolas Cage, uh, I'm sorry, Sean Archer playing Caster Troy <laughs> goes undercover, and he's so deep undercover he can't get back out, that's when Caster Troy wakes up. 
and then a la you know Jack Nicholson in in Batman holds the plastic surgeon hostage and makes him like you know push fat into his this is the best part because John Travolta and Nicolas Cage are obviously two vastly different body types sure and I'm not judging but they very obviously decided that like hey you know when he goes undercover as Caster Troy we gotta give you a little bit of lipo there bro so they suck the fat out of him and Evidently, to go home as Sean Archer, they stick that fat into Caster Troy. <laughs> so like he, a fat transplant. So he, yeah, they have a fat transplant, so that he looks correct. And then at the end of the movie, you know, when Caster Troy is dead and they switch the face. Wait, over, what? I assume he's dead. Maybe he good maybe, wins the day. What? I I, I, I hope maybe he's not dead. Maybe they left I it think, open I for a sequel. Right, I think he is. But. Um, you know, uh, uh, Sean Archer gets his body back. For some reason, he must have said to the, they must have said to him, "Well, hey, you're skinny and and you know wiry muscle now. Do you want to keep that?" And he's like, "Nah, <laughs> put all that back in me. I need to gain an extra fifty pounds." <laughs> so, John, what I'm struggling to recall is how this all culminates in a two man shootout on a pier. I don't remember how that. I mean, like. If There's the a whole least, agencies involved. Like, why would it be just two guys shooting at I each other? For I like honestly half an have hour? no memory of. It. <laughs> I do know that there was like there was one scene where they, and it's not the final scene. It's like, you know, Caster Troy catches up with Sean Archer or vice versa. I don't know who's who at this point, but they do like one of those like hard boiled face offs. You know, yeah. where the like the cameras being extended. They've got. Yeah, guns pointed at each other. The cameras doing the three sixty mm-hmm. around them. John Woo, you know shot i mean you're not gonna mistake it for anybody else i don't remember how this all happens though but and i don't remember how he gets away either because and honestly i think part of this explains the chip on my shoulder about this movie because i remember seeing it with people who had like no knowledge of john woo at all Uh and they got to that in sequence where it's this really exciting shoot up and john woo knows how to shoot a fucking movie so it's shot well and i remember people walking out through being like man (laughs) that was un believable and like i was just this dick that was just like guys uh that was like you know the schoolyard compared to like the shit that goes on in the other movies i was and then i would proceed to tell the story of in Harboyle where a maniac guns down an entire <laughs> floor of geriatrics right. and, and handicap people and stuff like it, which is my that to me is like so insane and so it's just like oh two guys shooting in a pier with some doves whoop de fucking do <laughs> well the crazy thing about john woo is it's like you look at his movies in hong kong and they are amazing to watch incredibly stylish and action set pieces like nobody's business but they're very contained action set pieces they're like in a hospital room in a church if it's outside, it's only outside for like a minute. I mean, he there is that opening of Harboyle where they're at a restaurant. Where they're at a restaurant, they're using it's, like civilians as like human shields. And yeah, stuff. and it's they've got amazing. and they're, and, and Chow Young Fat's got like a bird cage yeah. with a bird that he's trying to protect the whole time, and he's sliding down does the staircases. Not, does not care about any of the human beings around, right. but Fuck this the humans, bird but these birds like, got to yeah. be protected. Um, but yeah, they're very contained. It's very like in sure. interior pieces, and that's where I think John Woo actually shines is in these interior action set pieces that he sets up which is why when he does movies like hard target and broken arrow and this movie i'm assuming i am fairly positive that the studio said to him he's like okay i'm gonna have the showdown be in a church and these two are gonna shoot at each other it's only gonna be these two and they're just gonna have this amazing we're gonna do these amazing ballets of uh, operatic violence and they're like nah you gotta have helicopters and humvees and explosions it's gotta be outside you know i'm fairly certain that the american sensibility 
overruled what uh, whatever he you know would have done on his own i think on his you know maybe he was into it maybe he's like yeah sure. i want to try it but i think that the movies that he made in hong kong were like limited by budget and limited by what he you know had in his head whereas this movie it's like it's got to be bigger 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 explosions you know the whole city's got to you know be consumed by nuclear fire or whatever <laughs> right it's, it, you know it's bigger faster. faces must be removed yeah i mean grafted uh, onto other people I mean, I, I, you know, this is no revelation to anybody who's a John Woo fan, but like, I, I'm fairly certain the reason his American movies didn't work is because he, you know, the American sensibility for action movies is always like, well, if it's not bigger, then it doesn't mean as much, you know? Right. So they make them do these, it's, they're, they're cool set pieces, but it's like, I feel like, well, Michael Bay can do a, a, a great action set piece with a Humvee blowing up. Sure. John Woo is the dude you get three dudes in a room, like you say, shooting around babies. <laughs> you know, <laughs> in a nursery with John, you know, a Chow Young fat trying to protect a nursery oh, full man. of babies. So good. <laughs> well, anyway, John, before yes. we get to the film, it is time for a wager. Okay. So, Mr. Nelson, uh, face slash off, how's it going to hold up? You know, my suspicion is it actually probably won't. And here's why, you know, I, I've been thinking about this. It's like, even if it was good for the time, I'm guessing it actually is very locked into the 90s. And that will probably ruin it. Okay. Because <laughs> 90s action movies, I mean, let's be honest, they kind of all suck. Oh, what? not all of them. Not all of them. There's some good ones. I mean, Matrix. I mean, that's 90s. Yeah. That movie's fucking great. But that was like... That's like saying Nirvana was like, they technically had a couple of songs in the 80s, <laughs> so they can you know, they were sure. 90s and they sure. ushered a whole era in, so it's like... It's just the first thing that popped in my head. Yeah, but. well, I, again, I love a lot of 90s action movies, but I, there is like a 90s sensibility that is just almost tragic and it's like ignorance. <laughs> There's something about them that's got a stank on them. Not all of them, but... The generic ones. Well, the they're, bad ones, yeah. They're you know. they're bad, yeah. I mean, <laughs> bad 80s movies, there's almost like there's something masterful about sure. them. Sure, okay. And bad 70s movies, my God. There's, uh, yeah. Those are like... Uh, Nario 1. <laughs> <laughs> they're all good. <laughs> no, no. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I'm going to make kind of... Uh, oddly enough, I'm going to make two bets, which is completely cheating, but I don't care. So, right. So, so unlike you. Yeah, oh, yes. So to me, the, the, the bet of... Or the wager of like... Does this movie hold up as a legitimate great movie or good movie? No chance in hell. Like, that's a does not hold up easy, easy bet. But I have my side bet, which is, is face slash off a hidden comedic gem that I was too naive to appreciate at the time <laughs> because I was butt hurt about it not being like hard boiled. Right. But now in my older sensibilities, Will I see it for the majesty that it could be right. as a very funny movie? I'm going to go with yes, holds up on that front. Well, That's like, my hope. Like I say, I am hopeful that this is the right kind of stupid. Yeah. Because I, th I, I, there are things in Hard Boiled, The Killer, and A Better Tomorrow that are goofy as fuck. And I can't remember them right now to give you an example. It's been decades since I've seen them, unfortunately. But like, there is shit in there that's really goofy. And the shit that's goofy in Face Off, I wonder if it's goofy the same way or if it's just I'm, goofy I'm gonna stupid. I'm going to go with no, <laughs> to be honest, but right. we'll see. Hey, man, I, you know, I'm not doing this to prove a point. I'm doing this because I genuinely want to know. I'm curious, is Face Off a good movie? I'm willing to, you know, take it on the chin if it's not. But if it is, <laughs> I mean, again, I remember this is John Woo's right. best American action movie. And if I am proven correct, wouldn't that be nice? Absolutely. All right. Well, John, let's go find out 
and let's go watch Face Off. We'll be right back. I've been uh, chasing this guy ever since I joined the force. He, he has no conscience and he, uh, he shows no, no remorse. He's the mastermind behind numerous bombings and political assassinations. He uh, has a felony list a mile long, murder, arson, kidnapping, terrorism, you name it. He's the most dangerous and brilliant criminal mind I've ever known. I, for years, I've, I've been watching him, tracking him, studying his every every move. I know his every, every mannerism, facial tick gesture. I know him better than he knows himself. And now, after all this time, I finally figured out a way to trap him. I will become him. I don't care if I live. You're not having any fun, are you, Sean? Try terrorism for hire. We'll blow some stuff up. It's more fun. Plan B. Let's just kill each other. And we are back. Yes, we are. We have faced off with the film. We have. And we have returned. Nelson. Yeah. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm awake. I'm awake. I'm hanging in there. Uh, I, I'm actually, I, I uh, was awake through pretty much most of the movie, but like. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. Um, but yeah, that like, so we set, went to go watch the movie. And I was like, oh, okay. Here, how long is this thing? I looked at the back of the Blu-ray and it's like two hours and 20 minutes long. And I was yeah. just like, oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> and what been, happened? <laughs> and due to familial obligations, folks, uh, pull the curtain back. We've been starting these recordings later and later. So now it's past midnight on well, a work night. Yeah. I mean, as well, as our you know children get older, their bedtimes become later. And mm-hmm. so we kind of got to wait till the chillins are all sleeping. And so what do we do? Yeah. We pick longer and longer yeah. fucking films. We pick the fucking miniseries, but <laughs> but I will say this, and I mean whatever else happens in the next uh, half hour or so, I will say this: we watched Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, and that was about the same amount of time. This was infinitely better pace. Oh, oh, absolutely, and I yes, I'm sorry. This is more like a crumudgeny old man <laughs> complaint than it is like any slight on the movie. I I think it's just I you know me me I feel like movies we're longer and it used to be okay but now my tolerance for like <laughs> anything over two hours is just like oh my god come on but um i mean not to get too ahead of ourselves but like that movie was moving like a bullet for most of it and then they're like <laughs> came, it came to the end and i was like man this is really well paced and then the end happened and then another There's like 20 like, minutes yeah, of action happened 20 minutes which is you know it was fine the action was fun and all but it, it it does go back to what we were talking about before which is like well it feels like there was a john woo film and then the studio said yeah we need a boat chase somewhere in there friend <laughs> so uh did yes. you go back and reshoot that uh yes but my old man complaining aside for a brief moment um i will say i'm happy to sort of report that uh my memory and initial impression of the movie i uh, when i was younger uh, and i talked about before we went to go rewatch it uh, i don't think reflects how i feel tonight yeah I, I feel differently <laughs> um that's <laughs> not to say that face off is necessarily some kind of oscar winning masterpiece but I, like it was way more enjoyable and and um, a lot funnier than I than I kind of remember. And not even like 
I like I sort of made this thing about like, oh, it'll be like, you know, stupid good. Right. But there's a whole lot of about this movie, about the performance and everything that seems like very aware of how ridiculous it is. Oh, I, feel. I think so. I, I, sure. I was looking, you know, we were talking about the right kind of stupid before <laughs> and it's like, well, I don't know if stupid is the right word because it's like everything's thought out. Everything is done very much on purpose. And they're like, yeah, we know they're cutting their faces off. Eh, we'll go with it. We'll, sure. You know, we will invest ourselves as much as possible. And by the way, um, I need to take something back. John Travolta was not asleep at the oh, wheel not at all. in this film. He may, I don't know who he, you know, may, there were times where I was like, well, is he imitating Nicolas Cage <laughs> or Jim Carrey? But he was fucking trying yeah. his, I mean, he was going no, to No town. one was underplaying anything yeah, no, by there any was, means. There was nobody asleep at the wheel in this no. one. Everybody was giving it their all, so uh, it, I, good on him. I think where I thought the film was, like fell short in like John Woo action movie level, you know, I guess that's what I wanted when I was a kid. I was like, oh, this isn't, this doesn't have a million cool gunfights, I'm out of here. But like, I, to me, what I found fascinating was this study in like psychological horror <laughs> because because the conceit the premise is as we have uh, remarked like super stupid yeah but i think what i kind of liked was like the the conceit is super dumb but it's like they they do it and then they explore like what how super fucking weird and fucked up that would actually be well they don't shy away i mean they don't treat it like it's a no. movie like <laughs> pitched in an elevator you know they're like well okay if this do if if a psychopath took a hero's face and then went home to his wife what would happen well rape yeah, that's what would happen yeah. it's, it's, i mean it's it's like super fucked up like the whole yeah. thing is really disturbing and they don't shy away from like you know, Sean Archer takes on Caster Troy's face, and it fucks with him the whole yeah. movie. There is never a point where he looks in the mirror and is like, yeah, I'm okay with this. He's <laughs> completely disturbed the whole movie, and there is sort of a moment where you're like, you know, he's gone and he's hiding out with Caster Troy's old gang, and he's kind of acting like Caster Troy, and you're like, well, is this just him, like, falling into the role? Is this like a commentary on, like, well, you know, environment, nature, and nurture? But it's just like, he's just so over the edge that it's like he's crazy but in a different way and everybody around him are just like is just like well caster troy is crazy so this matches <laughs> right. my understanding of him but he's like going nuts because he's like i'm wearing my arch enemy's face the man who murdered my son <laughs> right which i had totally forgotten about i know by yeah by and, the way uh dear listener we completely completely forgot that nick cage at the top of the movie smokes john travolta and his son and John Travolta lives, but they're like on a carousel, and it's just really—it's like shot like a music video. It's so yeah. strange. <laughs> it's shot like a David Fincher music <laughs> yeah. video. Yeah, and then he's—he's he's like sniper rifle maniacally shooting, and then they, they, yeah, it's like this little kid just dies. Which I, I think when I was in school at the time I saw this movie, I either probably laughed that off or like didn't think much <laughs> of it. But now as a father, I'm just like, oh my god, this was horrifying opening. Well, the thing about it is, is it's, it's not a throwaway. for the, I mean, there's a lot of movies, and this is, again, indicative of 90s movies. It would be like, well, the hero has psychologically suffered because he has a dead child, and it it's part of his background. Right. But this is in the fucking foreground. It's like, this family has lost their son, and no member of the family is undisturbed by, like, the wife and the husband are having trouble. You know, John Travolta and Joan Allen are having marital trouble. Troubles, still six years later their daughter is acting out yeah. because of it i mean they well, they take it seriously which thank christ and, and just 
just ponder for a moment that this film tackles the subject of a murderer of someone's child literally donning that person's face, coming into his home, pretending to be him, basically molesting his daughter and like full on having sex with his wife. Yeah. Like... The man who murdered her child mm-hmm. tricks her into sleeping with him. And the movie, it's like, you know, any other movie, they'd come up with some crazy reason why that doesn't happen or whatever. But like, this is just like, nah, it happened. <laughs> yep. And then there's all these. And, and the other thing I really appreciate is I, I had I had had a memory of Nicolas Cage being like, oh, he's great when he's the villain. But oh, when they switch, like everybody sucks. And I would... I would totally take that back. Like, I, I don't yeah. think I appreciated the nuance of the, the performance. <laughs> nuance seems a weird word with Nicolas Cage, but it really, but, I mean, because he's good both ways. Yeah. Like, like he's great as the psycho. And then as this demented, losing his mind, man, like just him, he's on the phone with his wife and she's like, we've been living as husband and wife or no, no, that's no, where in person that, by that point. he's in, he's in person. Yeah. Like she, he's in the hospital with him. He's like convinced joan allen who plays his wife that like he is himself and she's like you realize for a week we've been living as husband and wife and he's just going i know (laughs) i know oh god it's just like it's like it's like a cronenberg movie it's so fucked up honestly the thing i love about it is it's like I feel like in any other movie, there would be like a weirdness between the husband and wife. Like the husband would blame the wife somehow. And he's just like, yeah, and it's my fault. I fucked up and didn't tell her this was shit was happening to give her a heads up that, hey, if I come back acting weird, you know, don't sleep with me because that'd be uh, <laughs> that'd be a bad well, he idea. He tries. He like calls her on the phone. is just like, that man's not your husband. Get out. And she's just like, never call me again. And yeah, well, that's, you know. Day, day late in a dollar short on that one. <laughs> Maybe know. you shouldn't only tell three people that you're going undercover. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's the other thing. Like, yeah, so only three people know it's him. And I remember that they died or something. But there's literally just seen <laughs> him just pouring gasoline all over their tied up bodies. And then he's just lighting a match. Like, ah! <laughs> but you know what I loved about that? And, like, there were a couple aspects of this film that I was really, like... That I really was glad of. Like, they killed the three people who knew. And it wasn't like a drawn-out plot point. It wasn't like (laughs) slowly they're being hacked off. It was just like, yeah, okay, you know the MacGuffin. You know what we're here for. Yeah, they're all dead. You could have probably guessed that. (laughs) And it's in the worst way possible. So there is some like... Well, not only that, the way he finds out is John Travolta visits him in the prison. They're like, you have a visitor. (laughs) And then it like slow-mos as he walks in and he just throws a paper at him that's basically like, Inferno! Everybody you know is dead, John Archer. And he's like, by the way, just came here to fuck with you later now i'm gonna go he's literally like maybe i'll go home and fuck your wife <laughs> like it's just movies like a horror movie it it's, is it's and, and it doesn't shy away but the other thing i really liked is that you know the whole reason for the movie the whole reason he's doing this is because caster troy has a nuclear bomb <laughs> planted at the la convention center but nobody has figured out that it's there so he has to go undercover to figure out where it is. He finds out fairly quickly. <laughs> it's just that by the time he finds out, you know, uh, Caster Troy has already started his uh, manipulations and shit to, to keep him in jail. But like, and then 
you know, in every other fucking movie of this time period, the bomb would still be going off at the end of the movie. Right. Or, that, to, or that would be the whole thing. Of yeah. Like, oh, my God. We got to get to. The yeah. Bomb. We got to get to the bomb. We got to, you know, yes, your family, you know, replace you. Sure. They do not go that like caster Troy in a big reversal is like, well, if I tell him where the bomb is, then I'll look like a hero cop <laughs> and I get everything I want. And so he disarms the bomb and the MacGuffin is gone. And I'm like. Wow, so the rest of the movie can just be what we're here for? Yeah, That's totally. fucking amazing. And <laughs> honestly, I feel like it gets a fucking grade bump just for that one thing alone, that it doesn't fall prey to the 90s like, yeah, you still, yes, you got your family back and everybody's happy, but you still got to disarm the bomb, <laughs> which is the fucking most boring thing. And I'm sure John Woo agrees because he has like a two minute scene where it's like, yeah, he disarms the bomb and is weird, you know, it, uh, uh, John Travolta imitating Nicolas Cage dancing right. and singing Alleluia. And that's it. And that's the end of it. And it's like, thank Christ. And then he's taking calls from the president. And he's also on <laughs> Time Magazine. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he becomes the head of the FBI practically overnight or whatever. And they say something like he like kills a guy in his office and no one apparently notices and thinks it's a heart attack for some reason. But it's it, the guy's like the head of the FBI. Well, let's be honest. Something? I mean, everybody else in the FBI is pretty stupid in this movie. <laughs> they, they sort of just take everything they're told they, at face value. They and <laughs> definitely do. You think the whole thing would fall apart as soon as someone asked him for like the code of a crime or something right, or exactly. whatever like hey man what the you know what's uh, what's the name of our boss again <laughs> <laughs> what's i'm sorry what you you're my assistant what's your name uh, i don't remember <laughs> yeah at, le- at least uh when he was in the prison he had this story of like oh i was concussed i don't know right. it's all screwy like i don't know what travolta's excuse was but i guess he's just so over the top and, right. and crazy. Well, he's got the sociopath charm that he sure. uses to full, which is, there's a great scene like at the beginning where they've tried to, you know, they've caught Caster Troy and like 15 agents have died and like, but they've caught him, you know, he's in a coma. And so like somebody sends, you know, Dom Perignon to the office and everybody's cheering except for John Travolta who like is, let's just remember all our dead people and he names them all off. Yeah, and he's very a, somber. Yeah, very, very somber. He's a like, big we're bummer not about it. Anything. And then later on when they, you know, when he finds the bomb and disarms it as Caster Troy, then like the office wants to get, because these people don't learn their lesson, they cheer him again. <laughs> you know, he comes in the room and, he's, and he fucking eats it up. He's dancing. He's like throwing kisses and shit. It's like, and it, you know, it, this is just for the audience, but it's like, see, you know the difference. You can see the difference, right? These fucking idiots at the FBI yeah. can't. But do, you can. Do you think there was like eight or nine years of attempted claps? Like, like <laughs> just every week they're like applauding John Travolta. He's like, like, everyone stop. Stop clapping. Stop. No. Every goddamn week. Uh, yeah, I, I have to assume. Well, again, they, they must not be picking the best and the brightest because, you know, at the end of the movie, all, the, all it takes for them to realize, oh, they switched faces is a phone call from his wife saying, I know you're not going to believe this. <laughs> I know it sounds weird. And they're like, sounds oh, good. is that what all that fucking ah. shit was about? No wonder he couldn't remember the names of the codes or, you know, where the lunch, right. you know, fucking trays were. <laughs> but um, I, I will say, because I, you know, the whole thing's pretty horrifying and kind of uh, amazing to watch. But I, I, I had remembered the opening being really good. And I was very happy to see that, that not only was it like as good as I kind of remembered, it was like, insane like the first like 20 minutes of face off is like the greatest short film ever made it is unreal it's like every great crazy action movie boiled down to because the thing is like 
you get to the end of like what would be a normal action movie right. within the first 20 minutes. Like yeah. it's all resolved and he's he's captured. And this is John Woo in the late 90s before, you know, green screen was really a thing, you know, it, it a common thing. It was a thing, but it wasn't a common thing. So you know every fucking explosion, yeah. everybody who's flying through the air, everybody who's jumping 40 feet to their death, that's a real person doing a real stunt. Absolutely. And it's fucking amazing. Actually, what what's really interesting is I think all these kind of mid-level to okay to maybe even some bad action movies from like the 80s and 90s that at the time you've been like, oh yeah, I've seen this a lot, whatever kind of get this like it, this like hold up bump where it's like okay you're watching them in 2017 where everything's just like digital diarrhea and they right. don't even like bother with like shooting a real gun or anything and like you watch these old movies where it's just like there are no like computer effects and mm-hmm. everything's just squibs and explosions and they fly a plane into a hangar in what's you know a fairly standard action scene but there's like they cover it from like thirty different angles, and uh-huh. they just fly this fucking plane into a hangar, and everything explodes, and it looks amazing. Yeah. Well, again, this is why John Woo is John Woo. It's like if you know Simon West directed this, it's like yeah, they'd shoot it from thirty different angles, and it would look fine. It's just that like when he does it, it's like the you know the 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 plane blows into the hangar, shit's exploding all around it, and he's focusing on the. Sp- Sparks, you know yeah, what I mean? And it's totally. I don't know. He's just got such style. It's like and Well, he makes sure someone does like a backflip like right. as it's happening while they're pirouetting and shooting a gun. Oh, like it's well, again, cool. he knows the fucking difference between like, you know, he's got a boat chase at the end and it's kind of useless because they're like, you know, Nicolas Cage and John Travolta <laughs> are chasing each other in speedboats, and it's you know, it's fun to watch, but it's just it there's it adds nothing to the plot. It's just an action piece. And it's like it's well done, and it's like, oh, you know, again, real boats exploding and real people flying through the air. But then when you get to, like, people fighting in an enclosed space, because he's got a lot of that. He had a lot more yep. than I'd actually remembered. You know, like, after the ha- plane goes through the hangar, when they're, like, fighting after the boats, it's like, then the camera work gets really, like, mm-hmm. Spielbergian, like, camera s- twists and turns as they're fighting and Definitely. shooting. There's even an action set piece where, later on in the movie, um, it's it's Castro Troy, you know, fake Castro Troy, with his kind of cabal of villains, and then <laughs> Travolta and the FBI put out like a hit on all of them right and it just out of nowhere like it's just a showdown it's a really interesting scene because you have our hero kind of like fighting alongside what would be villains but we're like kind of with them right and they almost like humanize and make interesting or like you kind of have sympathy with these like definitely do i I, with these villainous characters um, well, part it, of it is that they, they include a child. The caster Troy sure. had a kid that he didn't know about, and he's trying to keep the kid alive. Yeah, but it's but there's like a bald headed arms dealer that like for the first half of the movie is just like a scummy piece of shit, <laughs> and then all of a sudden when he's with uh, our hero, like it, he takes this random turn where now like he's kind of sympathetic, he's saying funny lines, like you're kind of into him, yeah. and and. Uh, what I like is like Nick Cage is is confused. Well, the the good guy Nick Cage, right? It, it, we continually have to explain who we're talking about. <laughs> Sean Archer is Nick is Cage, hilarious. But um, yeah, the Sean Archer Nick Cage character is like he is confused in the movie. Like he's getting caught up in the fervor of playing a villain, or like he's seeing a human side to these people that he's you know basically just busted all these years and. And so you kind of lose your your focus just like he does 
And there's even a really clever moment where, like, there's basically just faceless FBI people that might as well be stormtroopers coming mm-hmm. in that are getting shotgunned down. And you're like, yeah, great, whatever. And then um, Sean Archer, like, rips off one of their helmets, and it's, like, his partner. It's or, like, a dude a guy he knows, he yeah. And he's like, oh, shit. And you have this. And that was a guy you were seeing for, like, the first half of the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it's just really, I, I find that fascinating. And I don't know if it's executed to perfection, but like just, just the sort of like, the, it's really a gray area. But in it's the movie. very John Woo. It's like, like you say, faceless FBI for the most part. I mean, you can tell there's there's some FBI that are just like shooting at the kids, shooting at the bad guys. They don't care. And then there's like at one point, you know, Nick Cage has the kid with him, and, and he's like trying to protect. Him. He's like, I got a kid, I got it. And the FBI agent like throws his gun up, and he's like, Okay, okay, okay. So there's not like not like every FBI agent is faceless and evil. Sure. And then the cool thing is the bad guys, as they're, you know, shooting their way out, they're shooting to kill. And you're sort of like, well, that's just going to happen. And Nick Cage is shooting to wound or trying not to kill anybody. And he's having trouble because he's, you know, kind of uh, uh, hamstrung by this. But he's not like, hey, you guys can't kill him or, you know, he's not preaching. He's just like, well, I'm not going to. But it's it would be weird if I told him not to. You know, right. like you say, there's all these like gray areas mixing together and it's like, well, you just got to do what you got to do. <laughs> right. And the only sort of moral, um, you know, a point that everybody agrees on is the kid can't die. That's the only point that anybody sort of like yeah. comes to agreement on. So that's the cool thing about that scene. And <laughs> to top it all, uh, you know, in the dove in slow motion, John Woo style, it's like the kid is listening to, is it somewhere over the rainbow? Yes. Yeah. Yes. As, as all this violence in, is exploding around him and he's listening to somewhere. <laughs> very slow. And yeah. Very... That was almost like this weird Terry Gilliam moment or mm-hmm. something where you're juxtaposing this ultra violence with like this sweet, sappy song. Like, yeah. And they, and they take the gun. Um, there's a point where they take the gunshots way down and you can barely hear them underneath the song. Yeah. There's also uh, in, in parallel to that um, Archer scene, there's a Castor Troy kind of moral ambiguity scene that I also find really interesting where it's like what's his name from that 70s show oh yeah the curly haired drug curly haired yeah guy from that 70s show is is dating uh archer's daughter and there's this scene where you know caster troy's like he was going to blow up los angeles like he's obviously a villain he's a horrible man but like this guy pulls up and he's basically about to date rape you know sean archer's daughter like it's getting kind of fucked up like he's like come on you know you want to and then there's this scene like right out of L.A. Confidential where he just like <laughs> runs in, bashes the window open, throws his ass out of the lawn, beats the shit out of him, makes him apologize. Yes, apologize. I'm sorry. Mean it. Yeah. I'm really sorry. Throws his ass to the curb, brings his, the daughter inside, get, lights her a smoke, gives her a switchblade. Gives and her like, a butterfly knife. Yeah. yeah. Tells her this whole speech about like how to stab someone correctly, which ironically plays later when she stabs him with it and stuff. But that that whole thing is like well okay this is the bad guy but like we're like pretty much on board with him fucking this dude up mm-hmm. at this point because yeah. you know and i don't know i th- th- that was an aspect of it i had not considered i would be interested in just this mm-hmm. like well what if this really happened and right. how gray and weird it would get you know the thing that i re- you know uh, we were uh, when uh nicolas cage as sean archer goes to the prison and they put the magnet boots on him and everything. John was starting, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were starting to check out. You're like, oh yeah, I remember why this movie sucks. Yes. 
and that and I honestly I think it's still bad. Like I think the prison mm-hmm. is bad. It's I, still I, bad. I don't think it's bad. I don't think it's the strongest part of the movie. But here's the thing I even like about the prison is that there's three or four characters in the prison that you only meet for about twenty minutes, and by the time you get out. You know their personalities. You understand. You know, they have their own backstories. One of the guys there is like he's played by the guy who played uh, Frank Sabatka on The Wire. I, I forget his real name. He's on the Deuce now. Basically, he starts out as a joke. He like he's about to kick Sean Archer's ass, and and Sean Archer's like, "What? Why? What happened there?" And his, his you know the characters you know. Uh, Pollux Troy, Castor Troy's brother, says, well, you slept with his wife and his sister the day he went to prison. <laughs> right. and, and, oh, and Nicholas okay. Cage is like, oh, that makes sense. By the end of it, that dude and he try and fight their way out of the prison. That, that was the one part that was cool. Like and the, the, the bust yeah. out part was good. And the dude nearly falls to his death and Castor Troy is trying to save him. And when the dude ends up falling, you're like, oh... That's kind of a shame. <laughs> I mean, well, he's not a good honestly, guy. I was but... more impressed with the fact that mere moments prior, he was undergoing shock therapy. Like literally, <laughs> literally like foaming mouth, completely like almost invalid shock therapy. <laughs> and then the whole reason. Oh, he pulled a Jack Nicholson from Cuckoo's Nest. He was all, he was playing. Sure. I don't know. This was kind of like lobotomy Jack Nicholson. Yeah. Like it wasn't looking good. And then basically like the whole reason he went in there was like, oh, this where they take your boots off and on a hunch he just like hoped and prayed that this guy would be good to go for a riot which amazingly he was that was what shocked me the most he's like literally convulsing on the floor and he's like yo bro you ready to get out here and he's like just immediately gets up like yes yep, i am here we go chair in hand like ready to go that was that was awesome but yeah there was and there were a lot of like it's so, you know, this is, you know, what happens when you watch 90s movies. But there were so many people. It's like, oh, Tons. hey, there's Thomas Jane Thomas playing Jane. a two-minute role. And Norm from uh, Fargo was like the warden guy. Oh, right. The, yeah, yeah. The Zodiac Killer. Yeah, you call him the Zodiac Killer. Or, yeah. uh, <laughs> or the creep from The Invitation. I don't, take your pick. He's, right. he's all those guys. Uh, Margaret Cho was in it. Yeah, that was kind of random. And then the, the, one of the other agents was the guy who's like the CEO on... Um, it was Silicon Valley. Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. Was I was like, that, oh shit, there's that guy. Yeah, he was on that big love show as well. Right. Yeah, he's uh, he's good. There's I like. a ton. There's a, half the cast of The Wire or The Shield. Yeah, like right. CCH powders but. there, <laughs> getting set on fire. Along yeah, I mean, with Joan Allen. I mean, she's yeah, Joan yeah, Allen, big uh, star. Honestly, she's Dominique like, Swain was the daughter. I feel like this movie's like a little beneath Joan Allen, to be honest. <laughs> like, hey man. John Woo was everybody's favorite in the 90s. I guess that's true. I'm, I'm guessing that was like exactly what happened. Everybody's like, what, John Woo? Well, fuck him. I'm in. I don't care. Either that or they weren't who they are now. And no. <laughs> but it, it's interesting. Before we watched the movie, you sort of said this thing like, hey, you know, I know this isn't as good as the Hong Kong action movies, but I think this is John Woo's best American film. And I stand by that. And I, right. And I, you know, I didn't necessarily comment on it, but in my brain, I was like, whatever. Like, because I was just <laughs> filing it under like trash, basically. And having now watched it, I I think that's a very that's a fair statement. Yay! <laughs> yeah, like I, you know, it, it's not as good as like a hard boiled or killer or whatever. But like, it, there's something there, and there's a level of psychological exploration <laughs> that I find fascinating. Now, like at the time, I was like, take his face off. This is fucking stupid. <laughs> but later, like he literally does drugs, and he's just going. Take his face off. 
And they're like, what? what? It's like an extended scene where he's like, I'm going to take his face. Because he's talking about, he's like playing at a villain. Right. And talking about, well, the fucked up things are going to do to the guy. And then all his friends are like, man, take his face off. Let's not give that guy any more drugs. Yeah, no more <laughs> drugs for Caster. But it's like, that. it's those kind of things where I'm like, okay, this movie knows that this is like <laughs> absurd. Right. And you, you said, did you read this spec script originally? I, I read it, yeah. I would so have read how, it like, like 95. How much of that was kind of in there? You, you said it was way more like sci-fi. Yeah, I think the script was more straightforward. It might yeah. have been like kind of funny in that 80s way that like everything had a punchline to it. But I don't think that the psychological like underpinnings were quite as deep. Yeah, now, that's not to say they might, they might have been there. But I, I'm guessing that, you know... If John Woo was not attached from minute one, then you're not necessarily like selling a script and it's like, oh, by the way, they switch their faces and it's actually sort of a horror movie where, like, <laughs> right. you know, they're not going to sell, you know. So even if it's not, I don't blame the writers for that because that's like, kind of a hard but, but sell. I, I'm kind of into the switch from like hard science fiction to kind of like, well, let's just kind of treat this normally and like, right. what would this actually this insane premise, <laughs> this ludicrous, like, would never happen premise. If it actually did happen, what would that look like? Well, they, I mean, they spent a good amount of time. I mean, there's no way to fully explain it because it is just ultimately silly. But, like, they tried their best to ground it. And I was, and, you know, we were watching the, like, as, as John Travolta's going under and getting his face hacked off for the first time. You know, we're watching it, and it is like, well, this is... A little, because they're like, you know, lasering his hairline, so you know it matches Nicholas's cage receding hairline, and you know they're sucking all the fat out of him and whatnot. And you're like, and on the one hand, it's like, well, it's silly, but on the other hand, I was like, well, you know, my own daughter had a had a surgery, and it, you know, right. it involved like taking a piece of her skull and setting it aside while they worked on, you know, uh, you know, uh, rounding her skull off. Basically, it's like. Yeah, I mean, it sounds weird to describe it, but on the other hand, it's like, this shit happens, so it's like, you know, there's grounding to it, so, you know, it's not as maybe odd as it seems, I guess. I think it gets a little convenient with the, like, oh, and this chip will change your voice thing. Right. That's obviously just kind of like, well, hey, don't think about this too hard, like, here you go. But there was a thing, I mean, one of the first things they showed to sort of intro you to this is they sort of laser printed an ear you know, a guy had lost an ear in, in one of the shootouts and they were laser printing him a new one. And, you know, we're, we're kind of looking at it and it's like, you know, that's, I mean, it's kind of sci-fi, but it's like, that's not terribly far from where we are now. Sure, sure. So, I mean, maybe John Woo was not so crazy. <laughs> maybe there will be the, and actually what's funny is I was looking at the trivia and there was a piece of trivia where it's like, the first actual face transplant was in 2012 and it was this guy who accidentally shot himself in the face with a shotgun or whatever. It's oh, like, wow. but it's been done. Sure. So, <laughs> makes sense. I again, mean, graph skin, like it's just, you know, you know, John, you care to do it? You and me, we'll try it out for a week, see how we do. I think that'd be great. <laughs> we wouldn't even have to like switch our body. You'd have to wear my hair though. Well, deal, deal's off. <laughs> I can have hair again. I take it back. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, John. Well, it's time for us to weigh in officially. Did Face Off hold up? With a fucking bullet, man. <laughs> that was awesome. Two golden gun shootings. Oh, my God. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a little surprised that I like it this much. I was hoping to like it, but I'm surprised that I'm like, yeah. Sure. Uh, I... I don't know if I'm weighing in with a bullet, but I, you know, I will say I enjoyed it much more than the first time I saw it. Um, 
I, I'd say it's good. I don't think it's great, but I think it's it's good. And coming from like me being like, oh, it's terrible, to like, <laughs> no, actually, that was really enjoyable and pretty good. Like, I would, I would maybe even watch it again at some point. Nice. And that's saying a lot. So yeah, I you know, hey, I'm I'm happy to admit when I'm wrong. Nice. I'm finding it out more and more as I get older. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, Face Off is is solid. I liked it. Yeah. So I'd say it held up. So we can we can agree. John Woo's best American action film, Face Off. It is declared. Kaboom. Excellent. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me this fine evening. Oh, sure. Thank you for hosting. Absolutely. And uh, to you, dear listener, um, if you have any requests for future episodes you would like us to do, any questions, comments, or concerns, please email us at holduppodcast at gmail.com. And uh, be sure to check out our website, holduppodcast.com. There you can link to our Twitter page or a Facebook page and the email link, or you can find us on Instagram at holduppodcast and various other places. Uh, next month is December, and we haven't quite decided what we're doing yet. I'm thinking we have ideas. maybe something Christmassy or, or holiday-like. We'll, we'll have to send a simmer on that. But if you have any thoughts of what you'd like us to do for December, please email us. But anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening, dear listener, and thank you, John, for joining me. Oh, and, thank you. And until next time. Nobody move, nobody gets hurt. Nobody gets hurt.